Hey folks, welcome to episode 252 of the FLW Bass Fishing Podcast in Shaftesbury, Vermont. I'm Jody White, joined from Norwalk, Iowa, by the one and only Kyle Wood. Man, you crushed it. It sounds it sounds so natural coming out of your mouth now. Kyle, it's a new year. I know where you live now. <laughs> we are just doing big things. It's a new decade, man. First podcast of the new year and new decade. It is a new decade. I'm going to be honest. You know, you know how like in baseball when you bat around, it's hard to be like, well, did nine men have to come up or did ten men have to come up, right? <laughs> I'm a little bit worried about what's a decade and what's not still. Uh but yeah, man, new decade. It's gonna yeah. be great. You make any good New Year's new decade resolutions? Um, no. Me but neither. <laughs> I, I will say I haven't really. I've never really been one for for resolutions because uh, I feel like you know you get all gung ho about it for the first like two weeks, and then you're kind of like, eh, this is dumb, and you just go back to doing you're life all about like you normally lifestyle would. changes. I see how that is. I'm just all about like let's fish when I can fish, let's crush work, let's you know uh, go hunting as much as possible, maybe quit work during the spring so I could turkey hunt more and bass fish more. But uh, other than that, yeah, I'm just 2020. Here we go. I just try and catch a new PB smallmouth and a new PB largemouth every year, and uh, you know, honestly, I would probably do that whether I was making a resolution or not. So that's where we're at. I I, I think that's uh, I, I used to be, and I, I think we've talked about it on here before. But like, I still really, really, really want to catch the state record uh, bowfin for Minnesota. I guess now I'll have to look into like state records that Iowa offers. But I really, really, really would like that dogfish record. That would be cool. Um, I'm going to look up the Iowa state record bowfin right now. Oh, thank um, you. Just to help you out here. Uh, cause obviously this is, yeah, key. Maybe, maybe the bar is lower than Minnesota. So do you remember what the Minnesota one is? I think it was like 12 pounds somewhere in there. Cause it, it, it seems very reasonable. And I bet that almost every year someone does probably catch one that's roughly that size, but doesn't ever care to try to get a state record out of it. Dude, I think I might have caught the state record bowfin while I was in Minnesota. <laughs> um, I am. I'll tell you this: it's eleven point six nine pounds in uh, Iowa. It was caught That's... on Pool Ten of the Mississippi River in nineteen ninety four. Oh wow! Yeah, I was going to ask if it was the Mississippi because I feel like, uh, from what I know about lakes around here, I don't think that there's a whole lot of them in the state. Well, like in Minnesota, a lot of the lakes have bowfin. Uh, I don't think that's the way in Iowa, but the river would definitely be probably your numero uno bet to break the record. I like it. Well, I'll let you know if I break the Iowa state record in Vermont or anywhere else. <laughs> um, All right. We'll keep track of that. I'm going to be honest, based on the time, I'm, I think I'm going to spend in Florida in like February and the beginning of March this year. I think I got a shot at the largemouth PB this year but after you know bumping up on the uh, smallmouth side this year up over six pounds that's got a lot more unattainable yeah sure sure um, sure but hey let's go ahead and get into the show because we are going oh, yeah, to ramble a lot should. about this in the rest of the show uh, <laughs> afterwards yes um, yes a good point which should be fun because we got actually a fair amount of stuff to talk about we had a tournament it was in texas people caught bass it was huge uh yes we've got some uh Phoenix boats related news, some 2020 scheduling related news, uh, and we're going to relive the decade and talk a little bit about, maybe a lot of it about ice fishing and just in general what we have been up to. Mm -hmm. uh, does that sound good, Kyle? That sounds lovely. I'm going to let you lead things off here because in breaking news, there was a bass tournament, which hasn't happened in a while, and we get to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that very, very good point, man. We are officially underway for the 2020 tournament season. We had the Phoenix Bass Fishing League presented by TH Marine kicking off on Sam Rayburn, uh, which could be, it may not be like the greatest representation of what could happen at the Pro Circuit event in a couple of weeks, but nonetheless, it was a tournament. Uh, it was a giant field. I got Sue's climbing on me right now. 
trying Love to get it, some Suze. scratch. Suze is big into Rayburn, obviously. She, yeah, she's she got all fired up when I when I mentioned Rayburn. Um, but yeah, we had uh, 230 boats, uh, huge field, great way to kick the season off. Uh, Kevin Lassione won it. Um, now he only had 20 pounds eight ounces. Uh, which I say only because it's Rayburn. Yeah, I mean that's uh, not. Oh, like the fishing was definitely pretty tough. You know, yeah. There's no, and, there's not really a way to say like, oh, Rayburn fished great that day, just because we've seen it when it's great. Right, and especially we'll get to it when you look down the the top ten. Like it just, it wasn't super, super great. But uh, he basically caught him shallow. The funny thing is. Um, in the morning, he fished what I would still consider shallow uh, in three to five feet of water. Uh, but he he says uh, he then went shallow after he finished his limit. So three to five feet, not quite shallow enough. Had to go a little shallower. Uh, I think he said he wound up catching them like knee deep uh, by the end of the day. And he the sun came out. He knew this time of year the big ones like getting up shallow. So that's what he did. Uh Caught a few on a Sanko, but I think a trap and a VMM V and M Thundershad, uh, the swim bait, was the deal uh, for the most part. Which isn't overly surprising, again, for Rayburn in the winter, especially seeing the trap. Um, And, uh, yeah, we got derby season rock and rolling. First of all, love that Suze's participating so much in this show. Dude, I got tail wagging on, like, hitting this box over here. She's whining a lot. I'm going to need you to be cool, Suze, because we're talking derbs right now. Um, On the co-angler side, Jaden Parrish won. Uh, he had 15 pounds even. I don't think we're always going to talk about co-anglers with BFLs, but we only have one to talk about, so we did it. Yep, uh, nice and easy. The big bass on the boater side was 9-7, which is pretty huge. Yeah, that's more Rayburn-esque. Yeah. Uh, I will say though, so I looked this, I thought I had this pulled up. Uh, the guy who caught it is Mason Kellett. Um, and, uh, he only caught two fish, (laughs) finished 44th place, which is a tough (laughs) way to go if you catch a nine pounder. Uh, but his other one must've been pretty big, pretty good too, because he had 11.3 total. Um, Oh, sure. I might, I mean, I'm not saying that's the biggest two fish weight anyone's ever had because it's not but that is a really pretty solid way to catch two yeah no kidding um oh dude tyler nennerville had a seven eight he had just one fish though Oof. that's a that's a chunk um but yeah it was definitely kind of a tough day uh but like i think the from what i understand rayburn in the you know legit winter is generally it's got that up and down nature to it, you know. Yes. I think yeah, yeah. even last year, like Castledine and Cecil were, you know, they were saying that we were there too early, and obviously mm-hmm. we weren't because it was dramatically different and the fishing was great if you figured it out. Um, but it seems like it, it seems like it's not an unexpected thing to see Rayburn like that, and you know, this year we're definitely for the pro circuit we're going there later. Um, and maybe we'll see it, you know, show out as much as Rayburn's supposed to show out. Right, right, right. I mean, it still, it was, you know, 18-12 was second, uh, 15-9 was 10th. So, you know, good weights just, uh, you know, especially if you look back to, yeah, if you're comparing it to the Pro Circuit event last year, uh, yeah, not quite uh, up to speed. But, yeah, I think... It should be a banger for the pro circuit at the end of the month. Uh, I think that one will be pretty good. I think the fish are going to come out for you and I, is what I think. Yeah. They're going to yeah. know that we're there. They're going to be like, all right, let's go. Time to show off some hogs. They know that's what we're there for, so it'll be sweet. Uh, no doubt about it. Next BFL is actually this weekend. It's a Gator Division event on the St. John's River. Uh, so, Kyle, we get tournaments on back-to-back weekends. Nice. Um, then we get a week off. And uh, then I believe there's about four tournaments a day for the next seven months. <laughs> <laughs> then it just starts it rocking just and rolling. Starts going. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, 
But anyway, our other piece of news, or another piece of news, is the FLW Phoenix bonus, which uh, oh yeah was announced. It's basically an enhanced contingency program, uh, you know, maybe similar to what Ranger Cup used to be, but actually better than what Ranger Cup used to be. It's definitely at the lower levels. Um, it's uh, so on. Uh, I guess like the main thrust of it is the, you know, the Phoenix Bass Fishing League level. Not that there's like there's big payouts on the uh, Pro Circuit level. There's big payouts on the FLW Series level uh, for first place um, and stuff like that. But for a Phoenix, if you have a new Phoenix with a 250 and you win a BFL, you can, or actually a 2016 or newer phoenix with a uh wait a minute am i reading this right maybe it's with um, a this is a 2017 older so this would be 2018 or newer phoenix you can with a 250 if you finish in first you get seven grand if you have a 225 you get five grand extra like it's pretty big numbers definitely go and look to make sure what you what boat you have and whether it is eligible or whatnot. Most it seems like most of them are. It just kind of varies along the scale, if that makes sense. Of right newness right. Oh, and that sort of thing. And also they have. It, it also is like for highest finisher. So if you finish third in the tournament, and the guys above you are running a uh, let's say a skeeter and a champion, because um, you know who doesn't love a champion. Uh, <laughs> Then you would still take home the Phoenix, you know, the Phoenix bonus money, but it would be, I think, uh, I don't think it's as much. It's like, it's a thousand bucks, I think. Yeah, a thousand bucks BFL. for highest finish. Yeah, yeah, yep. Which is still pretty good money to not win. Oh heck yeah. Um, yeah, because you think like at a BFL, uh, I mean, dang, that's a pretty good. Yeah, say you're fifth, right? If it's like Skeeter, Skeeter, Ranger, Skeeter, Skeeter. Uh, boom! Then there's you. Yeah, you get your winnings for the tournament, but then boom, another bonus thousand bucks. That's pretty, pretty dang all right. Even they if also... you, even if you're first and you're running a new boat with a two fifty, you would make a thousand dollars more than you with the bonus. Or well, you'd make a thousand dollars more just on the bonus than you would just to win the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a full field. Yeah. Uh, which but yeah, cool. you, you should you should dive into it because, like you said, they have some things like if you're the original owner, you qualify for some things. But they also have a program for if you're not the original owner and it's still a pretty new Phoenix, uh, you could still win some money. Yeah, and it does. I it's uh, not the same as the first flight program. So like, just because you're signed up for first flight doesn't mean you're signed up for this. Uh, at least that's my belief. Um, so. I would say, make sure before you fish an FLW tournament, if you've got a Phoenix, make sure you're dialed in with this because it would really suck to win and miss out on like five grand or something like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, it's cool. I'm glad they're doing it because uh, you know it's definitely. I don't know. I feel like one of the hallmarks of FLW has been that if you fish it out of the right boat, you can make big money. It looks like that hasn't changed. Right. Right. Um, although it may take a little while for us to see, you know, based on guys ordering boats and things like that, it may be a little while until the fields look as Phoenix heavy as they used to be Ranger heavy. Um, sure. Uh, but maybe not. We'll, we'll see. Um, and it's going to be fun new times, no doubt. Absolutely. Alrighty. Uh, Kyle, our other piece of news is that we announced that the 2020 FLW Series Championship is going to be back on Lake Cumberland. Whoop, whoop. Um, this was, I think, some of the worst kept news uh, pretty much ever. Um, <laughs> at least from what I could tell, because uh, I'd heard people saying that it was going to be back at Cumberland before the tournament was at Cumberland. Um, right, right. Also, the uh, FLW Series schedule... Uh, that there was going to be one at Dale Hollow was telegraphed extremely well. So <laughs> it, somehow, maybe it's just that part of the country, I don't know, but 
apparently folks are really good at talking um dude every angler has a brother cousin sister-in-law that works on like a tourism board or something that's how i feel like that's how you and i usually find out stuff from anglers when they're like hey man do you hear this tournament's gonna be on this lake next year and you're like no i have no idea because that's not stuff that i normally find out you know middle of the season like well you know my my brother's sister's cousin's nephew well, works on tourism. Yeah, and, and for, his fiance is in yeah. commerce. <laughs> <laughs> right, works for Somerset Tourism and Convention, and he he said that they're going there next year. Yeah, uh, but yeah, there must be like a really tight knit group in that region because you're right. Like those, the Dale Hollow and uh, Cumberland news were definitely not uh, like it seemed very just uh, public knowledge well before it was even announced. Yeah. What is your opinion? Now, some folks are not loving it because it might be kind of tough fishing. I'll pretty much fish anywhere for a top prize of 200 grand. I don't care. I would even fish the Ohio River. (laughs) I know. Well, I mean, the Ohio River, you could have also said I'd even fish Kentucky Lake. Well, Uh, I don't know if I'd do that. (laughs) (laughs) okay you do have limits you have limits i think i said pretty much anywhere (laughs) Um, okay i got you i got you yeah but uh so i i don't fully i i will say it's definitely a little easier to get hyped about a championship somewhere where the fishing is going to be really good uh i don't know if it's going to be a 15 inch limit or not but if there's a 15 inch limit the fishing on cumberland cumberland is like legit not bad um, yeah. Like, yeah. It's there are a lot worse places you could go. Let's put it that way. Especially mm-hmm. that time of year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, uh, other than for the Western guys, um, like Cumberland's in a pretty good location for like a lot of the divisions to get to, um, which seems kind of nice. Uh, yeah. There's plus, no... it's like super pretty that time of year. So I'm all, like, just on that aspect alone, I'm all for it. Yeah, there's definitely, there's no, uh, there's no great location to have a tournament for the West Coast to get to. It's mm-hmm. just a sort of a fact of life. Um, and I mean, I guess, you know, like if you had it in Texas or Oklahoma, yeah, that's, you know, quite a bit closer. You know, 8 or 10 or 11 hours closer, depending on where you put it, than uh, Cumberland is. At the same time, that's another 8 or 10 or 11 hours to come from New York or to come from, you know, Mass, uh, Maryland or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, it's just a tough thing, man. To have a, a nationwide event and have everybody come together, there's not there's not really, there's, there's sort of a fair solution, but man, there's not a perfect solution. Yeah, yep. Um, but I don't mind going back to Cumberland. I like it there. Uh, I think we lucked out only having the one major frog delay um, this year. Hopefully we get lucky again next year. Or, well, yep. this year. And <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see what happens. Um, let's see. What else is there to talk about? Uh, well, I mean, it's been a little bit uh, since you and I have uh, been on this pod, but... Uh, you know, right around that Christmas, New Year time, uh, we had the top 50 stories of the decade, and then we also had, like, the top stories of 2019. So it may not be a bad idea. I'm sure everyone listening has read through those stories, knows about these things. Uh, but it could be kind of fun to talk back about some of those because, I mean, there were a lot of pretty sweet things that went down in the last 10 years. Yeah, definitely. Um and I'm telling you, man, at least that fifth, that top 50 story was, it was a lot of work. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, because we had to go, and it was fun work, it was pretty fun work, because you got to go back and read about stuff and remember stuff, and mm-hmm. honestly, Kurt did a lot of the hard part, which was coming up with ideas uh, for what stuff could be, um, but it was... It took a long time to put it all together, but man, once we got it all together, granted in two parts, uh, thank you very much, FLWFishing.com, for not loving me. Um, you know, <laughs> it was it was fun to see. Uh, 
I think the some of my favorite stories, one of them was definitely the Spotted Bass story we put in. Because it seems like, you know, guys catching a record spot every week is not happening now. But, mm-hmm. you know, there was like a little window there. Well, it's a moderate-sized window where all of a sudden ultra-giant spot bass were like everywhere. That was fun. Um, yeah. You know, when Bullards was kicking them out at an incredible rate. Uh, and it's not like we're not going to see that happen again. It seems... Because you see just enough really big spotted bass pop up from out west now that I kind of think... I, I wouldn't say that nobody's going to break the record tomorrow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it seems like the heyday is a little bit gone. And although that's disappointing, it was really cool while it was happening. Uh, yeah. So that was that was probably a highlight of, of mine that I enjoyed to be able to go re-remember and look at photos of and stuff like that. Man, you. I, I also like, uh, you mentioned earlier that a lot of these actually revolve kind of around the Alabama rig or the umbrella rig. Yeah, love me an umbrella rig. Uh, but I didn't really think about that until you said it because, I mean, you're right. A, number one, the umbrella rig, you know, was a thing. And then got banned everywhere. Like, if there's, what fishing lure has dominated two years of the decade, but then also been made illegal in so many tournaments. Right. <laughs> it's, it seems it, we didn't, you know, we put it in as like a story, but I almost wonder if we should have talked about it even more when I was yeah. rereading back through these things. Well, so were oh, you at Paul that Elias, Paul Elias event? No, that was a oh, year gosh. before I started. So Elias unveils that thing. That's October of 2011 right so late in the year i bought a umbrella rig online during that tournament it took like three <laughs> months to come in i got oh, so I excited about it it was also Do you like, still have it no i lost it on a log somewhere um, uh, it was also like the it was like a what 12 dollar lure or something at that point in time it was probably like other than like maybe a pointer the most the most I'd ever spent on a lure at that point in my life. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that's a big investment. I was like, oh, should I really get one of these things? <laughs> He's catching like a five pounder every cast. I guess I better get one of these things. <laughs> could you imagine if we could have watched that live? Oh gosh, that oh man, awesome. that would have been the most incredible thing ever. But yeah, like so that that kickstarts it. Dan Moorhead wins the FLW Series Championship just a couple weeks after that on an umbrella rig, and then from there. Um, you go to like, gosh, all kinds of, uh, you mentioned, um, uh, like Hanselmania, right? Ray Hanselman winning a bunch of stuff. That's a thing Uh, that'll never happen again. But in Alabama rig, uh, played a hand in there. Yep. Um, you got Casey Martin winning on Chickamauga. Uh, that was thanks to an... Alabama rig he broke the century mark uh in like June I think is when the tournament was yeah which is not when you're supposed to <laughs> break century marks on you're not supposed to do that on post spawn fish of course right. it's happened twice on the Tennessee River this year or this decade thanks to uh, Lambert and, oh yeah uh, he got Casey caught 22 15 27 pounds 23 3 which was his tough day he used a spinning rod and then on the final day he caught 30 pounds one ounce uh wolf <laughs> um uh we had um uh rogney is that how we said it yep is he gonna murder me right isn't it maybe rogney rogney brown uh michael neal's uncle i guess i think so uh he weighed 40 pounds 14 ounces uh in a uh bfl on chick that was in march i think um that was umbrella rig. Yeah. Also, that then, was the second biggest bag of the decade. Um, yeah. By the way, <laughs> he he then uh, a couple years or the next February um, caught a forty nine pound bag, and uh, also on an umbrella rig uh, on Chickamauga. So, like, I mean, a bunch of that stuff alone, you could go back to like uh, Jason Christie winning on Beaver Lake. 
that was umbrella rig. That was kind of one of the things in there, at least the Beaver Lake era, uh, because that was when we started seeing a lot of those like stacked Alabama rigs. I believe yeah. it was the year Christy won, like the the hashtag channel Hugh <laughs> doing things. Yeah, the big like the big chandelier looking things. Um, in in my in the uh, national championship, I fished there on Beaver. Uh, one of the teams caught like a seven and a half pounder or something like that on an Alabama rig in a tournament, which was, Jeez. at that point in time, on Beaver. At any point in time on Beaver. Like, <laughs> right. literally an incredible thing. I mean, we yeah. were blown away that that fish existed. And I didn't even know how blown away I needed to be, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, it was... Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's we have a, a lot of things in the decade, but the if you read through them and you kind of look at some of these... An umbrella rig was definitely part of a lot of the stuff that happened in the decade. And definitely, you could argue that it was maybe one of the biggest storylines of the entire decade. Because to your point, the thing got banned, like, not long after it came out. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I've, I've never heard of another fishing lure that was that cool or sweet that people said, nope, not allowed to use it in competition. Yeah, well, they did ban the banjo minnow. Huh. Dude, I had two different Panjo Minnow kits. Dude, I think I only ever had one. I've caught fish on them, though. Yeah. Uh, I they let it they die. worked. I mean, I let it die. You gotta let it die. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that guy? That was like all he'd tell you to do. It's like you just twitch it and I let it die. I let it die. Kyle, I do not remember that. I don't think oh. I watched enough Banjo Minnow videos. Man, that was that was my jam. That was I, I was hooked. I never bought anything else uh, that I saw on TV. Um, like one of those like infomercial type fishing lures, mm-hmm. but the banjo minnow, man, they took my money and they took it fast. It, it, look, they did catch fish. I mean, they're basically a fluke, sure, but they did catch them. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that stuck out to me in this is uh, Casey Martin, like super good at catching huge bags. He actually caught the third biggest bag of the decade, uh, which was forty eleven in a BFL on Lake Gunnersville. Yeah, I didn't. That even wasn't that long that. ago, was it? It was in 2017, and he didn't even catch it on an umbrella rig. He caught him on like a swim bait, a swim bait, and a chatterbait or something like that. Yeah, like I did not remember that. I remember when it happened. I was like, "Holy smokes!" You know, <laughs> and then I forgot about it, and then I re-remembered it in this thing. And it's like, oh, "Wow, <laughs> this is amazing yeah. stuff." Um. Also. You and I have said this a million times, but, like, you cannot help but be just blown away by Brian Thrift whenever you sit down and look at his stats. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Like, I am... If Brian Thrift is better in this this coming decade than he was in this decade, it won't surprise me, because I would believe anything that Brian Thrift does on the wall. <laughs> but yep. I am glad I got to have such a close up-front seat for, you know a lot of just utter Brian Thrift domination. It's been like an yes. absolute pleasure. Yes. You know, it's absolutely. really cool to, to to just have watched someone that good that much. And, you know, actually, I feel like I've appreciated it, you know, a fairly appropriate amount most of the time. It's not, it's not like one of those things where it happened a while ago and you're like, oh man, that was cool. You know, it's like, you're you're watching Brian Thrift right now. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was pretty neat. Um, I also got to watch that Scott Canterbury fish catch where he lost that one. Five hundred thousand. <laughs> oh man, I've watched Gosh, that so feel, many times. I feel, feel so bad so, for the guy. So bad for him because you know I get you know not a lot of people have competed for five hundred thousand dollars. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of tournament anglers can relate to a lost fish in the final hours that maybe you would know would win you, whether it's your, you know, local club thing. And uh, while it may not sting quite the same, I think you can you can at least uh, appreciate the feeling. And to watch that go down was, oh, man, we played it so much, too. <laughs> we yeah. put it everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. That's probably why it left. <laughs> Probably. Like, I am sick of this. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. <laughs> uh, we love you. 
Oh, yeah, gosh. I don't... What was your... Uh... Do you have, like, a favorite... So, I got to relive my favorite fish catch in this one. Because... Ooh, okay. I got to... I took the photos and watched Aerie catch that big swim bait fish. On yeah, Beaver. the one he muskied. Yeah, which was, like, <laughs> incredible. I've never... I haven't seen anybody else catch a fish like that in a tournament to this day. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, also, like, you knew it was a big fish. You knew he was going to win. You, it was... It all sort of clicked. Um, it was really cool. But, like, I'm trying to think of... It, it was neat that I was like, hey, I got to see that. That's that's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, granted, that's sort of wrapped in with our area becoming Mr. Beaver Lake. Um, of course, we don't go to Beaver Lake anymore, which is sad. Uh, but also not sad because there's other better places, <laughs> you know. Um, it was it was a good year it or was. a good decade. I'd have to say being a part of the uh, Mega Spoon launch on Kentucky Lake was a pretty cool, pretty cool thing to be around because you, I mean, FLW tooting our own horn a little bit, but I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of our events are where cool new lures have been, you know, made public knowledge. 10 XD, Chatterbait, Big Spoon, and uh, it may be coincidence. It may be that we're just really great investigative reporters. Um, I'm sure it's probably that. A little of both. Uh, <laughs> but it is, when you go to a tournament and there is a bait that no one else really has, so like a handful of guys have, and it's a handful of guys that know what they're doing on the lake to begin with, and then you get to go watch them throw this giant hubcap around uh, and catch fish and lose fish and just like, it, it's like they're... It's like they're kids again, but they're, you know, trying to win the tournament. But to see people throwing stuff that you know isn't readily available is a super cool thing, especially when it's, like, brand spanking new. Um, I remember, like, guys trying to hide it on the first couple days and uh, being real secretive about it. But then, like, on the water, uh, the the picture used in the in the article was Clint Davis losing one on a magnum spoon and... Uh, you can see from the picture, it, clearly you can't hide that. that yeah, that's an impossible big, thing to hide. Metal. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that was that was a super cool, just like thing to be around because you're like, oh man, I'm sure it would have been super awesome to see the umbrella rig thing go down or um, any other cool baits. But that particular one, like I remember being there. I remember talking to Rob Newell about it um, and a lot of the other report like brett carlson one of our other reporters like i remember experiencing uh that whole thing going down and it was super super cool yeah it's definitely it's just cool when you've got something when something is when something new happens you know what i mean Mm -hmm. when you've got that kind of thing going on because it's well it's unforgettable it's you know it's a highlight (laughs) i could also say you know also recently sticking to kentucky lake was lambert uh, catching a hundred own pounds because again uh dude was catching hogs uh he caught a great big one but also to watch a guy timmy horton it and roll back in to uh take off with like plenty of time left to fish and just hang out and be super chill and like know you got the tournament one that is also something you don't get to see a whole lot of no i mean it's it's the only time we've seen it yeah you know there's Obviously, there's been times where guys have like pretty well had it won, but there it's the only time I've seen a guy just flat up stop fishing and be like, "I'm done." You know, there's what what more are you gonna do? Yep. Um, yeah, that was if that probably. Was cool. I'm sure Elias probably did that, uh, and like at some point maybe Casey Martin when he won, uh, you know, he maybe quit. Maybe not. Maybe he was like, I mean, I got to stay out here. I got, I got to catch 38 pounds. <laughs> uh, right. But yeah, it was, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that um, was, that was neat. I feel like we kind of talked around highlights from this year, but was there anything in particular in the 2019 highlight story that stuck out to you? Um, this one, we, some of them were a little more of a stretch than decade highlights. Cause it probably, it might've been better to have it be like a 15, 
uh, 15 highlights, but I wanted to get to 19 because of the year. Yeah, no, I, that was a great, great choice. Um, gosh, I I feel like, yeah, we've definitely talked about it. winning on Seminole Up was one of those one of the super best cool things. moments, like, ever. He, yeah, yeah, hands down. Um, that was pretty Rift rad. winning the cup was phenomenal. That's rad. I I got to watch Thrift, not on the last day so much, but on the first two days. I basically watched him catch, like, the bulk of his weight, like, the stuff that got him to the win, like, both days. Mm-hmm. Whether it was back cranking or whether it was, uh, you know, one time he was cranking and then he came out and he fished some brush and he, like, the first brush pile he pulled up on, he caught, like, a three-pounder on. And, like... It was cool to, uh, it was cool to have that front row seat, and, like just watch him win it. Uh, which, granted, I didn't watch him much on the final day, but he, I knew everything he did on the final day because I had seen all of the stuff that he did already. You know what I mean? That yeah, was, yeah. It was yeah. really neat, at least for me, to get that complete, complete picture. <laughs> that would have been like when uh, Atkins won the cup. Like I stumbled on him on the first day, and then kind of got to watch him every day. And see, I mean, he wasn't, yeah, it was pretty much just that, you know, top water on cane piles. But uh, it's cool when you can watch the guy that's ultimately going to win kind of throughout the whole thing. See how he changes, how he doesn't change, how he handles things. And then especially it being thrift and the cup, you know, I could I could definitely see how that'd be a, a baller sight to be seen. Yeah, no, it was, it was sweet. Um. A lot of these have to still have to do with Brian Thrift. <laughs> yeah, they really do. Uh, and, I mean, the thing is, like, he had a really, really, really good year. Not that he doesn't have a really good year every year. But, uh, I mean, gosh, like, if he would have won AOI this year, it would have been, you know, game over for, like, best season of all time. Yeah. For sure. The thing is, he could have won two AOIs this year. Because he <laughs> yeah. wasn't that far off the Northern Division AOI, and he wasn't that far off the tour, the tour AOI. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't, and it would have been, like, totally on par and a not unexpected thing for Brian Thrift to do, because he's that good. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a pleasure watching him. I Obviously, you know, fishing the BPT... Um, you and I aren't going to get to see as much of him, at least this year. Uh, maybe future years, who knows? Really, how this all shake out? But like, right. it's uh, I'm gonna miss like getting to pull up on Brian Thrift and try to get trying to get him to tell me what he's got, then mentally <laughs> adding three pounds to it, and then yep, being like, yep. "Dang, he's smoking them." <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah. it's gonna be it, it. That is that lack of thrift in my life is is going to be felt, no doubt. Oh, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, on the note of Tour AOI, I think watching Dudley a lot um, in years past, it's like Andy Morgan, too. Getting to watch Andy Morgan fish was always just one of those, like, you know you're going to see some stuff happen, right? Like, if you haven't seen a fish catch all day, you know you could pull up on David Dudley and watch him catch a fish because that's just what he does. Um, But for him to win... Uh, AOI again this year uh, and go on ahead and take the title uh, so that's four AOIs right? Yeah most all time and like it's not you know now the way the system is structured uh, nobody is ever going to have more than four Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just you know David Dudley has the record forever Uh, unless you know the BPT stops calling people up because you're not going to have somebody sit around and win four AOIs. So right. that's yeah. uh, that's kind of cool. And, like, Dudley is a totally worthy angler to have that, too. Not that you could win four AOIs and not be worthy, but, man, when you watch him, especially if you watch him a bunch uh, and you watch him throw that stupid waggy rig around, like, David <laughs> Dudley is super good. And he is a very original thinker and one of a kind, but... Man, he can catch fish. He can, and it's really cool to watch him because he seems... There's some pros you can watch, and they seem, you know, like um, like you you don't want to bug them. They're in the zone. 
um, you know, you could tell that they're definitely thinking about what's going on. Dudley doesn't Dude, he really chats fall the in that whole category. Time. He's talking to you. Like, his mind is still so focused on what he's doing. But he's so, like, it's just just an everyday thing for him. Like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go fish over here now because, you know, the clouds rolled up and I know the fish are going to pull shallow or whatever it is. Uh, he he doesn't need to, like, he doesn't need silence to, to do that. He just goes and throws the wacky rig around or, you know, he'll go flip a jig around or do whatever because that's he just knows he's going to catch fish doing it. And it's, it's a pretty fun thing to watch. And I think this year, um, for the folks that followed along on live, I think you got a really good taste of that, like throughout his whole AOI season. Yeah. Because um, he was on live a bunch this year. I mean, he caught him yeah, really good. Yeah, and you got, you got some really good, even when the times that Dudley did uh, commentary for live. <laughs> yep. I think that's also maybe even a better look into what's going through his brain because now he's not actually worried about catching fish. He can break down how other people are. And a lot of times, you know, he's like calling things out before the angler's doing it and then they catch a fish. So, uh, yeah, that was watching Dudley, watching Dudley season this year. That was definitely, um, or last year, the 2019 run that Dudley went on was, was also a pretty cool thing to, to keep tabs on, be a part of. Maybe my favorite Dudley moment of the year was he caught a fish at Chickamauga on day one um, that had a Zara spook stuck to it. Um, like, he caught it on oh, a wacky yeah. rig. Yep. But the spook was, like, just hanging off of it. Which, first of all, I don't think I've ever seen somebody catch a bass during a tournament that had, a, like, another legit lure hanging off of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't say, I don't think I have either. You know, he flipped it in the boat, and I'm taking pictures. I'm like, what is this? And I start looking at it, and I'm like, holy smokes. And he then had about a 10-minute talk while he was fishing and thinking about it and, you know, like, yelling to me about it that, he should be able to weigh the fish in with the spook on it for the extra weight. And I was like, yeah, I mean, sure, David, but I don't think Bill's going to let that fly. Right. And right. so then he had me call Bill. I was like, and Bill's like, no, he can't weigh that in. And I was like, Bill says you can't weigh it in. <laughs> then he called Bill. His whole time he's still fishing. I think he's caught like one or two or whatever. Has this whole argument with Bill about why he thinks he should be able to weigh this fish in with the, you know, with the spook on it. Oh, sure, sure. And honestly, I think his logic is sound. Like, you're allowed to weigh a fish in if it just ate a bluegill. You know, it's got the spook on it. It's part of the fish. I'm, like, I can see both sides of this this particular instance, I think. Um, right, right. But anyway, it's it was just like, you know, 15 minutes of David Dudley, you know, fishing and, like, catching fish the whole time. And then also, like, having this whole other train of thought about how this fish had got this spook on it, what he was going to do about it why he wanted these extra two ounces you know it's it's just incredible stuff <laughs> uh yeah and all the while like you know he's not getting worked up about it. he's not getting spun out about it yeah and he's making like some like, perfect little, he's making perfect little cast with his uh with his wacky rig up under every yeah. little thing and yep you know still just swinging away doing life. his thing and then like you know then he'd be like all right and you know picked up the troll motor and on he goes you know somewhere else yep. it's just uh, he's something else man um, I tell you what, though, I, I felt bad that John Cox had to run up against Dudley on Champlain for AOI. Like, it felt yeah. fitting that Dudley, it felt a little preordained that Dudley was going to win AOI, even though they were a point apart and, like, it should go down to the wire. It felt like, man, we're on Champlain, David Dudley's going to do this thing. And he did. But, gosh... Anywhere but Champlain, I would have loved to have seen that AOI, that final tournament. Cause, oh, man, yeah. Man, could you imagine, like, if it was on Chick or if it was just somewhere, you know, bland, where there was no, somewhere that wasn't Champlain, where it wasn't like, okay, this is David Dudley's derb, you know. Yeah, like if it was on Cherokee. Yeah, or, uh, or even Oneida, like someplace that, like, they hadn't yeah, been before, yeah, yeah. You know, that yep. we didn't have decades of David Dudley crushing on. <laughs> that right. would have it would have added the little juice to the AOI battle not mm -hmm. that it wasn't a really good one it was but as soon as you know Cox wasn't literally ahead of David Dudley the entire time it felt like David Dudley was just not going to let that happen right right like it was like Cox on day one needed to weigh in like 23 pounds 
to prevent it felt like that to prevent David Dudley from beating him mm-hmm. uh, but yeah that was that was man it was a good year like it was a really good year a really fun year of tournaments on tour uh, at the FLW series level like it was just it was a good one it really was yeah anyhow oh should we talk about um like what you and I have been up to lately because I feel like we have you know you and I have not caught up in a while yeah 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 I think we could we could dive into that all right well first of all let's get out of the way you haven't been fishing right I have not um that disappoints currently there's no ice down here um so there is well there is a open water uh but I have not been out fishing uh I've been doing a little bit of pheasant hunting and a little bit of goose hunting uh which has been fun but uh yeah no I've been I've been pretty boring uh from a fishing standpoint for sure Kyle I have been ice fishing out the wazoo dude you are I I actually got a I got a text from Brian Latimer the other day uh that asked me if I'd been ice fishing and I said nope and he said it was basically something like, "What? Even Jody's ice fishing?" I, like, I know, <laughs> I know, I'm behind the times. Well, he may not have known about your location in Norwalk, Iowa. He may not have, uh, but uh, I did ultimately. Uh, I filled him in, but uh, yeah, it was kind of funny that uh, <laughs> I think. Well, even for people that have listened to this podcast for a while. Uh, I think they probably understand that you you aren't exactly the uh, most gung-ho about going ice fishing, but you will certainly take advantage of it if that's all you have. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i like way more gung-ho about it than staying home. At the same time, right. if I had a boat up here with me right now, there's a decent chance I would have dropped it into Lake George or Champlain to try and catch smallmouth. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... I got no boat, and a lot of the stuff is, like, super sketchily frozen that's not in the mountains, so I'm mm. going fishing a lot. Yeah, no, that that's that's fair. You have, um, you know, for a guy for a guy that's, like, not totally committed to ice fishing, you have your uh, panoptics set up, right? Like, yeah. you, you took your graph off of your boat. Peeled the graph. Made it, it mobile. Didn't have, to, didn't, have, didn't have to buy a transducer. I didn't realize... I thought I was going to have to, but I didn't realize you could, uh, like, turn it upside down and use it, like, just basically vertically. Uh, oh, sure. I do have to extend my panoptics arm, though, because the last lake I fished, the ice was too thick for me to turn it out sideways uh, and, like, oh. scan around. I could only look straight down, which is fine, because, uh, honestly, straight down is, like, money. Um <laughs> Especially for just watching fish and jigging and stuff. Like, it's such a blast. But it would be good for me to... uh, I do need to add a new piece of PVC. But my little panoptics contraption, like, it works great. Uh, Uh I'm thinking about buying a lighter battery. Because right now I've just got, like, a 12-volt cranking battery in my sled. And... Oh, dude, no good. Dude, let me tell you. It's a little... It's a little heavier than you want. Like, I... And I think a lot more than you need to run a single unit for like, you know, a day at a time. Dude, get a little, get a little like twelve volt nine amp. Yeah, the well, little like rectangular ones. That's probably what I'm gonna do. I just need to, I need to, you know, just do it. Obviously. They're like thirty bucks uh, if you want like the lead acid one. Now you could get like a Dakota Dakota lithium, same size. Uh, Those are pretty expensive though, I think. Uh, yeah, those are like a hundred bones. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, if I'm gonna spend hundred bucks on a battery, it's gonna be really big and run my trolling motor. Um, that's where but, I'm at. Yeah, on I think you you need to uh, you need to get that battery. I can't believe I didn't know that's what you were hauling and <laughs> hauling around to power that thing. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not really that bad. Like we don't have anywhere that has really deep snow yet. Um, so you're, it's basically just ice. You're yeah, you're I'm just basically across. just skidding it around on ice. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I can see it becoming, you know, pretty annoying at some point in the future. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, it's much a much better, much more fun system than I've had previously. Uh, 
And like, I've been doing okay, I would say, from a fishing standpoint. Um, I'm not, I gotta get better at like finding big fish through the ice. I can pretty much always find fish. <laughs> uh, but like, just the dialing in on the quality is not something that I'm, mm. probably because I'm not really, I don't know what I'm looking for when I'm looking for like, Oh, where are the big perch going to be? Where are big bluegill going to be or whatever? And the lakes where I think I would know what to look for, like where there would be some smallmouth or something like that. Or, you know, I've talked like, hey, how do I find walleye through the ice? It's like, well, kind of look where a smallmouth should be in the fall. I'm like, okay, I can do that. Well, yep. here's the thing. Those lakes aren't safe right now. So, oh, can't really do it. <laughs> um, gotcha. So maybe I'll figure that out. I'm also, I'm going to go at least one day this weekend fishing the Adirondacks, and that's Ooh. a, first of all, I got to figure out exactly where I'm going to go and like what lake or lakes I'm going to try, but a lot of those lakes have like brook trout and stuff in them. I got no idea how to catch a trout through the ice. I've watched a lot of videos of it, and it looks like you have to cut a really big hole. And <laughs> Well, if you want to, if you want to sight fish them. Yeah, I, I would uh, love to do that, but I also... I don't really don't want to carry a chainsaw around with me out there. Too. Can you guys? Can you? Well, you could use uh, you could use an auger. You just have to uh, you got to just grid cut some holes, which I can uh, do now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, by the time you go, you will have an auger. Um, yeah. This is the big. This is the biggest news of the program. To be honest, is that I have ordered a Viacot wood, a yep. lithium ice auger. Yep, you got the uh, the lithium strike master coming your way. It should be there, but well before this trip. Yeah, hopefully you should have it in hand. I really it should be charged. I really it want it Friday. So I'm ice fishing Saturday too. You know, obviously I'm putting in two solid days on the ice this weekend. Why you gotta be you gotta be careful though when you're cutting like a six pack uh, because if you get caught in the hole you originally drilled, you can torque your auger bit. Uh, and then that's no good. That's bad. All right, uh, I'll try not cut to as do well. that. But uh, yeah, you can you could cut a little bit out enough that you could have a sight fishing hole. I have always the times I've trout fished, I've always gone like like little ripping wraps, like kind of loud, noisy stuff. Because the best part about trout fishing through the ice is that they're actually like excited that it's cold. Yeah. Instead of most every other fish that's like, oh man, it's frozen outside. This is dumb. Trout are like, yay, it's frozen outside. <laughs> What's like the depth scenario that you think I should be targeting for trout through the ice? Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of like pretty shallow. But that's also because I'll usually be trying to sight fish. So, you know, like five feet or less. Okay. Next question. Uh, Do you need one of those covers or can you cut a big hole in the ice and not have one of those covers? Because I don't have one of those. Uh, what, you mean like an ice house? Yeah, like a... You know, like those otters or whatever they are? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you need that to block light out. Otherwise, you won't be able to sight fish. I got coasters. If, if you're, uh, well, I mean, that could <laughs> probably work. Uh, I guess it actually probably could work all right if it was shallow enough. Um, but, yeah, if you don't have that, I would just, like, rip around. And, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd put, like, a little, like, a lip, lipless crankbait, like a little one. Ooh. And jig that around just try to cover water because like if one's in the neighborhood it shouldn't take too long for them to at least come look at you and you have a good you know you have a good graph so you can easily see if they come at least nearby or yeah i mean if there's one under it it'll i'll know about it yeah that's what i would do i've also i've done really well with like little plastics but in minnesota you can't use uh like you can't use live bait what or minnows for trout on our, or on a lot of trout bodies of water um hmm. so it's usually like artificials was the route i'd go but they definitely seem to be okay with it like little spoons like you'd use for a crappie uh they like that yeah you know i think actually that might be the case on some of these uh adirondack places like they got some bonkers regulations up there uh lake to lake and all because it's all you know a lot of it uh, is like national forest or, oh, Adir- yeah. or parkland or whatever. So it's mm-hmm. they have some kind of odd specific things going on there. Um, so that might be a good thing to kind of you know keep 
keep wow, aware. We talked a lot about trout fishing. Well, look, I'm in very much every anything that bites mode when I'm fishing through the ice. Like, yeah, my man. You know, I one of the lakes I've been going to a lot. It's the reason I've enjoyed it is because I've caught some good perch from it. It seems to have a really good population of pickerel, and I knew there was okay, at least okay. an off chance I'd catch smallmouth. And you did. Well, dude, this last time, so I'd been there th- twice before this winter. Never caught a smallmouth the whole time. This last time, caught two hammer smallmouth, lost another one at the hole, which caused Finn to reach in after it and get his arm, <laughs> like, freezing and soaked up to his elbow, so that was smooth. <laughs> um and we also caught a bullhead. <laughs> Whoa, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, jigging too. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which is the last thing I expected. Uh, and I am really curious to see now if I can go back to this same area and catch more smallmouth. Because, you know, in my head, smallmouth aren't moving around much in the wintertime. Right. And right. I've caught one on that pond before. So I was like, they're either are smallmouth in here or there was one in here once and now i know there's <laughs> at least three in there which yeah if there's three there's gotta be more and that's i'm going with that i don't think somebody just dumped a limit of smallmouth in there uh, <laughs> right but if there's three there's gotta be more i know where three of them lived i bet there's more around there so i'm gonna try and go catch more of those that's my yeah that's my dream scenario yeah no that's a that's a great Great theory. Because, like, dude, catching smallmouths is pretty much my jam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm down with that. I also, I at some point in time this year, I'm definitely going to try to catch some pike through the ice, like bigger ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to need to get, I know you've kind of given me the lowdown on this before, but I need to, like, make some of those fancy dead bait rigs, you know, quick strike yep. rig deals. I need to make some of those and, like, get dialed in uh it it'll require a bit of a tackle changeover for me um sure sure but i really i really want to do that uh just because i want to try it you know what i mean see what happens i wonder if i can uh the problem is i don't really know where a lot of my ice fishing stuff is at the moment dude Um, i just found like six tip-ups yesterday (laughs) i was like well dang it i was wondering where these were (laughs) but maybe i'll try to see if i can if I can find some of my stuff, I might try to make you some quick strike rigs, uh, and maybe I'll try to mail them to you. Dude, that would be and, super uh, clutch. Just for just to get you started, and then you could kind of see like how I would do it. Which I'm sure you'd do it the right way. I watched a lot of the uncut angling stuff, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure what I I'm pretty sure I know what I need to do. Uh, also, Ooh, yeah. they use uncut mackerel angling. for bait, good... which is interesting. You were talking about you had to buy bait specifically some places, and mm-hmm. it seems like. Please, if you're listening, don't tell a game warden, hey, Jody told me it was okay. (laughs) But I don't think for dead bait you need, in Vermont, I don't think for dead bait in Vermont you need to have it be, like, from a specific place. I think that's for live bait. Uh, Oh, So, like, I think I could, like, literally go to the supermarket and buy some fish. Granted, I don't know if I could find the appropriate fish. I need to probably go to Hannaford and check it out, but... You know, I could buy fish from the store to use. Sure, sure. Um, also, though, one thing. Uh, this is definitely the most we're ever going to talk about. Um, the uh, this is the most probably we're going to talk about live bait in the show ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but unless we get on like a really sweet shiner bite in Florida, then we may go deeper into live bait for largemouths. Oh yeah, dude, have you ever or done peacocks. that? Peacocks. I have not. Dude, you need to go. This year at the Harris Chain, come. You, me, John Cox, Rob, we're going to do it. It's the most fun ever. Oh, no, wait. All by the way. I lied. I I actually, I don't know why I forgot this. I actually did do it um, with Chris Bergen, myself, and Cox did it for like an hour before our flight one day. Uh, We did catch a couple, uh, but he wrecked them before we got there. Uh, So I never got to like... Never really got to experience it. So I technically did did it. I did catch a bass doing it, but it wasn't super cool because John caught like two eights and a seven before we got there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's special, man. So, yeah. So, yeah, He's maybe this year we can, we can get that 
uh, get that going. I'm I'm totally down for yeah, that. But continue on your your live bait anyway, discussion. So it used to be for Vermont, you had to order, you had to buy your bait and write down specifically what lake you were going to use it at, and you couldn't use it anywhere else. Really? Super annoying. Uh, Gosh, that would be. They changed it. What if I don't know? Well, yeah. Or like, what if you're going to fish two lakes in one day, right? Then you literally yeah. would have to buy like a dozen and a half, then another dozen and a half, and keep them in separate buckets, right? Like, Whoa. it's not user-friendly. Now, I'm sure it helps them keep track of where bait goes. If some bait that's diseased or something ends up somewhere, they're like, well, we know where it came from, or we know a little more about how it got there. Like, mm-hmm. I understand there's definitely environmental ramifications. Now sure. they changed it, though, where it's you buy your bait and you just set it up. You buy it for either east or west. So if you're going to fish, basically it's like stuff that flows into the Connecticut River. Then you're buying it for the east. If you're fishing stuff that flows into the Hudson or Champlain, you're buying it for west is pretty much how it is. I got like a map and whatnot. Interesting. That's a game changer for me personally because (laughs) it means now I mostly fish all west stuff just because of my location and I love it. Oh, okay. Um, So, shout out to Vermont for helping me out. Uh, New York, I don't think, again, this is not something I want you to say that Jody told you to. (laughs) I'll make the rules. Uh, I'm pretty sure New York, you can just buy bait wherever and use it wherever. Uh, So I could, like, buy Vermont bait, label it for West, and then go use it in New York just fine. Hmm. Um, But, yeah, it's a... you know, obviously, we're now an ice fishing podcast. Yeah, we are now the foremost bass fishing, ice fishing podcast. Yeah, and it's going to be great when Iowa gets ice and you get to get out and, you know, maybe chase some gills or uh, whatever else it is you catch dude, in Iowa. Gills, largemouths, and channel cats. Oh, dude, I was going to ask exactly about that. So, have you caught catfish through the ice very much before? Uh, I have definitely caught them not a whole lot um, where I'm actually targeting them. Uh, usually it's like accidental, like you're, you're jigging for bluegills and you got like a little tungsten jig and then it just looks like the bottom like quarter of the lake lifts off of the bottom of your graph and starts climbing towards your jig and you're like, oh baby, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, you get a wrestle of catfish around. But it is super sweet. I got some buddies down here that are pretty dialed and have some ponds that have actually some pretty good sized channels like 10 12 14 maybe even like 15 plus pound channel cats and i am all about trying to catch those things for the ice because i think that would be epic dude that would be super cool that's also given we get ice to fish on at some point and then i'm sure by the time it doesn't seem likely at this rate to be honest yeah and then when we do you and i'll be you know neck deep in covering tournaments Yeah, yeah so we'll be somewhere that i can't fish it and then by the time i get back it's spring and then it's time to just go regular bass fishing which is totally fine but i definitely want to get on some of that channel cat ice fishing yeah that is pretty key um i was talking with uh, a guy on instagram uh brandon mettings and he was i guess fishing for stocked trout in west virginia ice fishing and he said he went with like some buddies one time and all of them caught their limit of trout and he just caught two catfish. <laughs> um, <laughs> or no, he caught three catfish, <laughs> Ooh. Uh, which I was like, holy smokes. I did not realize you'd catch catfish through the ice. <laughs> um, but lo and behold, I guess you can. Yeah. They're still actually like fairly predatory through the, through the ice. I don't know where the problem is other than the south end of Champlain, I don't really know any places in Vermont that have like a pretty good population of catfish. Um, mm. and I, if I was going to go fish on the south end of Champlain, which right now I think is a little sketchy, um, I don't know where I would, I don't have the slightest idea how I would try to target a catfish. Gotcha. Um, so that's probably not on the list of things that I'm going to catch. Definitely could be on the list of things I accidentally catch, though. Hey, uh, there's always a chance. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I feel like we're probably probably to the end of this thing, right? I think we are, man. I think we, man, for first podcast of 2020, I think we, we checked a lot of boxes here. This was good. 
yeah, it was key because we didn't talk about how to catch bass at all. That was important. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. We no. spent... Well, see, we had a tournament already, so that kind of took care of like a little bit of bass catching. Yeah, which the then actual, took some the weight off our shoulders. We spent, yeah, yeah. you know, 30 minutes on ice fishing, which is what folks are here for. Um, yeah, yeah uh, yep. Yeah, so I think it was, you know, pretty much just a winner of a podcast. Uh, Kyle, as always, such a pleasure <laughs> to talk with you. Oh, always. Um, if you want to get in on the email game this year, uh, you can do that, right? You absolutely can. Hit us up, podcast at flwfishing.com. Maybe you want to know more about ice fishing. Maybe you want us to stop talking about ice fishing. Send us your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns. Uh, podcast at flwfishing.com and of course we are on all sorts of social medias uh, MLF, FLW you can find them if you can't uh, email us, we'll tell you how um, mm-hmm. uh, Kyle you're on Instagram, it's Kyle Lumber I'm there, it's Jody Blanco and I think that pretty much does it uh, flwfishing.com this weekend if you want to watch a live weigh in uh, we got yeah. some BFL action down in Florida, in the Sunshine State, and then you know we're we're into this thing now, man. It's fun. We're back. We are. It feels oh so good. Absolutely. Well, always a pleasure, bud. Well, good luck fishing this weekend. Uh, good luck to anyone else getting out fishing. And until next time, see ya.